Thanks for listening to the Mornings with Carmen LaBerge podcast, made available thanks to support from listeners just like you. Helping you wake up, remembering this is our Father's world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. If we're gonna fly, we fly like eagles. We need a strong man. We need a king. Those were the words of one of my family members who was just fed up with a lot of what's happening politically in our country, in our world. Hey, good morning. I'm Paul. Yes, this is Mornings Without Carmen. Carmen is still on vacation. She'll be back this coming Monday. I'm filling in usually her producer, Brian uh, Ryan Mitchell. Where did Brian come from? Ryan Mitchell is uh, okay, dutifully... Yes, I... <laughs> I'm, I, you know, as I mentioned before the show, I'm just kind of scatterbrained lately because there's so much going on, and uh, so my apologies. Don't Ryan. worry about it. Call me whatever you want. It's, just don't it's call totally you late okay. for supper. <laughs> I won't do. <laughs> anyway. I like that one. <laughs> okay, now back to the whole issue of a king, a strong man. Now, for me, while I know we have struggles in our country to call for a strong man, a king. I'm not ready to go that far. I'm one of those who still thinks division of power is a good thing. Then again, we have that theoretically in our country, and we still seem to be at loggerheads over so many things. And some of the governance that should be done is not happening. Important issues remain unresolved, and there's increasing polarization in our country. So I can get why my family member was talking about it. having one king to make a decision. But then again, I'm also a history student, and I know a lot about kings and emperors through the years and not really been a good option. I mean, okay, we can talk about Hitler, we can talk about Napoleon, we can go back to the Caesar. Let's go back to let's go back to the time of Isaiah in the Old Testament. We were there yesterday. He lived in a time where there were kings and emperors that ruled, but generally unwisely and in ways that not only led to instability and, and oppression in their own countries, but those around them. Among the kings Isaiah had to deal with is Ahaz, a descendant of King David, but unlike his his forefather David, he didn't trust God. We talked about that yesterday as we were looking at Isaiah 7, verse 14, that promised child, Emmanuel, one of those verses we love during the Christmas season. It had a fulfillment in his time as well as the, the more f- full fulfillment that happened with the coming of Jesus. Now, while God did make good on the sign he gave to Ahaz. He continued to be a uh, wicked ruler amid a bunch of wicked rulers around the area. It was a dark time in the Middle East to have a good king. Maybe not the king we deserve, but definitely the king we need. Into this, God spoke another promise. This one would be years in the fulfilling, and it has been at least partially fulfilled. Our Growing Your Faith verse today, again, another one of those wonderful Advent Christmas verses, Isaiah 9, verse 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. First, notice how that phrase starts, that verse, for unto us a child is born. I hope that sounds familiar when you think about 
the angels coming to the shepherds the night of Jesus' birth. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. I I do hope you made that connection because God was finally, over 700 years later, fulfilling his promise. A child, that child, Emmanuel, which we talked about yesterday, the one who was to come. The verse continues, this child will grow and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be, okay, you have to look at verse 7, the verse after, talking about how he will sit on David's throne. He will be a descendant of David and over his kingdom and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and righteousness forever. <laughs> In a world of brokenness, that is such good news. Oh, it gets better. Because four titles are given regarding this coming king. Wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. Each of those titles speaks to an aspect of the king, his qualities, his character, his power, what his rule will be like. Let's look at them. Wonderful counselor. When we think of counselors these days, maybe you're thinking of a life coach, a career coach, a psychologist you might see, or, or a financial planner, these, these counselors in your life. That's, that's not quite what we have here. You see, kings of old, and even today, will surround themselves with advisors to help them make wise decisions. Even American presidents have had their cabinets and other advisors to guide policy. There's just too much to try and know to govern by yourself, right? (laughs) Not so with this child who will be king. He won't need the help of outside counselors. And this isn't because he's arrogant. No, it's because his counsel will be wise and prudent. He, He knows all the aspects of any situation. He will know what to do. He will be truly wonderful and good in his ideas, his ways. And he's also mighty God. Not only will he be wise and have wonderful ideas of how to govern, he being God himself, God in the flesh, Emmanuel, we've been talking about, God with us, he will have the power to accomplish his plans. He, he's God, right? No one can resist him. Now, that may sound a little scary on the face of it, but we don't need to be. There are two more titles given to this child, which... Tell you what, I don't think we have time to talk about right now. We'll talk about that at the start of the next hour. This is Mornings with Carmen, or should I say without Carmen? I'm Paul, and, you know, Carmen has talked several times with people around the topic of artificial intelligence, AI. There have been many disturbing things that AI has brought about. Deepfake videos, misinformation, AI has been part of spreading that. But there's been some good news on it, too. I mean, okay, I I like my cell phone. I like pulling up my uh, Maps app. That's artificial intelligence. Being able to do a search for things quickly, that's artificial intelligence. Well, stronger artificial intelligence has been helping doctors, for example, make better diagnoses of illnesses. And now, hopefully, it can be used to keep churches, schools, and other public places more safe. We'll be talking with Billy Hallwell in just a few moments. He's with uh, Faithwire, his reporter there. This is Mornings with Carmen on Faith Radio. (music) 
Well, again, thank you for listening to Mornings with Carmen, just without Carmen again. She's taking the week off. I'm Paul, her producer. And if you were listening yesterday, I was talking with Elizabeth Newman, a security analyst, and she pointed out that over the weekend there was almost an attack on a church, a violent attack in North Carolina. But thanks to somebody noticing something wrong, was able to report it to the police and crisis averted. Praise God. If only there was something to help more churches do just that. Well, maybe there is. Joining us now from Faithwire is uh, Billy Hollowell. Thank you, Billy, for joining us. And you actually report a story about this, uh, about an ex-Navy SEAL who has used AI as a way of helping churches protect themselves. Talk us about it. Talk to us about it. Yeah, this is a really interesting technology. Obviously, artificial intelligence has a lot of people nervous with good reason, right? There are lots of benefits, lots of dangers, uh, but this is a really unique use of AI. Um, It's called Zero Eyes, and I spoke with one of the co-founders, Rob Huberty, and he basically took us through how the technology works. If you're a school or a church or a government building and you have security cameras this doesn't install anything new in terms of you know physical technology, but what happens is Zero Eyes goes on those cameras and it detects any guns that are being brandished. So if somebody's walking into a building with a gun and they're showing that gun, then the AI is going to pick up the type of gun within seconds, what it is, it's going to send it over to Zero Eyes, and they're going to alert the authorities almost immediately. So if you have this technology, you know, again, the AI isn't reading faces, it's not doing any of the things that we're concerned about, it's just looking for different types of guns, pointing out, hey, this person has a gun, then a human being checks it, and then they're able to go to the authorities and let them know, because here's the thing, a lot of these shootings, you know, the the authorities show up, they don't know what the assailant has, what kind of weapons are there, they're flying blind. This allows them to arrive on the scene to know where they are, what kind of weapon they have, and to really be more prepared. And so this is something that churches are picking up on. I had a chance to speak with one church that's about to install it, a Catholic school that has it, and it's really interesting, the peace of mind, um, outside of the practicality, the peace of mind that it brings everyone. Exactly. And again, it's using AI technology. And OK, you've talked to others about AI, and I know it can be used in bad ways, as you pointed out. But there's been benefits when it's wisely applied. Yep. Yeah. And I think, you know, look, people, human beings are sinful. And so we, we always find a way to <laughs> we mess are? things up. <laughs> I, right, I mean, like these great things that could be wonderful, we find a way to ruin them. And so there are so many concerns about AI, um, but it is nice to see people. And, and in this company in particular, making sure that they're not, you know, violating the privacy concerns that people have, right? Um, that That's an important thing. But yeah, there are good uses to this. And I think medically, we're going to see that. We're going to see it in other areas. At the same time, we're going to see some of the dangers of this as well, I think. Now, talk to us about the uh, co-founder of Zero Eyes, uh, Robert Huberty. Um, what's his background? You mentioned ex-Navy SEAL. What else about him? Yeah, so that, well, that's the interesting thing. There are a bunch of them who co-founded this who are ex-Navy SEALs. And for Rob, you know, he has a passion to try to stop these sorts of events. When you come from that sort of military background, right, you're there to serve and protect. And, you know, watching these events happen again and again, trying to figure out, what is a creative way that we can do something that isn't invasive and that is basically building on the building blocks that are already there, which would be security cameras. And so he's just driven by a passion to really just make sure that people are safe in schools, in churches, really anywhere 
Um, and so it was pretty cool to kind of hear that story of how these Navy SEALs, you know, after their service, wanted to find a way to be um, useful and do something pretty incredible. And they've built a pretty robust company out of that. Awesome. Well, again, that's you can find what we're talking about at faithwire.com. And Billy Hollowell's one of the writers there. And you've got some other articles we want to focus on, too. And one thing, especially for us, keeping an eye on what's happening with the church around the world. There's been some talk about the health of the church in China, or not so much health, but because I've met some of these people, they're pretty healthy believers, but is the church growing or shrinking? There's some debate about that. And so you actually talked with, what is it, Dave Curry, was it? Yeah, Dave Curry over at Global Christian Relief, and I had a chance to talk with him just about his perception of some of the numbers that we're seeing, because we've heard for a long time, you know, Christianity is exploding in China. And, you know, you hear that and then you see the Pew Research Center um, and admittedly the Pew Research Center, which is a respected, you know, polling and research firm. They said it's very hard to discern the actual number of Christians for a variety of reasons. But what they were looking at publicly released information and data, they actually saw, according to David Curry's analysis, a decline of 3.5 million Christians over the past decade, meaning there's, there could actually be a stagnation of Christianity in China or even a decline based on those numbers. Um, so, so that was shocking to people back in August when Pew started talking about that. And people like David Curry, they're saying, wait, 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 no, we have people on the ground. We don't think there's a decline. And he explained a couple of really important things. And I think this is good as believers and just as people astute and who care about the news to understand, you know, at the same time, we're seeing a decrease in self-described Christians in China. We have seen the Chinese Communist Party crack down harder on Christianity, right? Mm -hmm. So there, there's less of an ability or an incentive for people perhaps to say they're Christians, even if they are, because you're going to be punished. Your social score is going to go down. You, I mean, there are all sorts of crazy things happening in China. Um, a real crackdown on believers. So David Curry believes that that the church is growing and healthy, but that because of what's happening, people are not jumping jumping out to say, hey, I'm a Christian, right? So if somebody surveys you, you might not necessarily say you are one. Um, mm -hmm. So it's a little tricky, but his belief is that we actually aren't seeing any sort of stagnation or decline. Were you following the news recently about um, churches that were using Zoom in China for meeting and how they're being restricted there? Yes. And, you know, there's one town, there's one province or one area of China where you have to reportedly register on an app if you're going to church. So you have to let the government know that you're going to church. Um, one other thing people might not realize, and this just blows my mind, children are not allowed to be affiliated with church or go to church in China. So you cannot bring your children to church. And even the registered churches, and people don't realize this, there are churches the government registers, and then there's the underground church. And most people want to be in the underground church because it's authentic and it's not controlled by the state. Um, but but yeah, children are not actually allowed to go to the church, which is just wild. Mm, that is wild. Um, I assume then parents just kind of take it upon themselves to disciple the kids well, as best they can. Well, well, and that's and that's something that David Curry was saying. You know, in a lot of ways, we have a lot to learn. He said, you know, you know, Chinese Christians could help believers in the West 
because we're in sort of this mode of retreat right now with all these cultural changes that are going on. Um, we're in this defensive position. And a lot of these parents are discipling their children because they have to. There's nowhere to send them. There's no Sunday school for them. They're not allowed to do that. Um, and so maybe we have a lot to learn from them. I would think so. Well, again, we're talking with Billy Hollowell, one of the writers at faithwire.com. And I love the fact we can hear about what God is doing in the world. Oftentimes the news looks so bleak. And it's not that you don't handle some of the rough stuff and tough stuff out there, Billy, but you also show us God's people are making a difference. Yeah, and and that's and that's the thing. Yeah, we want to highlight those stories of hope, right, and, and mm-hmm. courage, and stories where the good guys win, and it's not just negativity. We want to we want to know. And and by the way, I would just tell people it's easy to get discouraged when we watch the news, right? It really is. But there are a lot of good things still happening in the world, and a lot of strong Christians still doing amazing works. Well, as we continue in a few moments here on Mornings with Carmen, <laughs> okay, what happens when the very thing you were known for? Well, could be taken away from you uh, as far as being an athlete or such. We're going to look at a uh, college uh, college player who, well, because of an injury, may have to rethink his life, but he still is focused on Jesus. We'll talk about that in a few moments here on Mornings with Carmen on Faith Radio. Feelings, nothing more than feelings. I mean, seriously, if all we had was nothing more than feelings, we would just be lost in a sea of mush. Hello, friend. Uh, I'm sure you have noticed by now that feelings are a terrible barometer of the truth. Our feelings are affected by the weather, world events, what we ate last night, whether or not someone we like or love texted or tagged us in a social post, how badly someone else sings. Yeah. mm -hmm. So if you're feeling lonely right now, I want you to ask yourself, am I really ever truly alone? Of course not. As a follower of Christ, Jesus promises to be with you always. He's literally with you right now in the thick of it, in the midst of whatever circumstances you're dealing with in your life. So I want to be a source of hope and encouragement to you today. If you are struggling to make it, even just to the next moment, if you're feeling lonely, text the word HOPE to 877-933-2484. Okay, I got to be honest, if I were to lose my voice, that'd be kind of hard because I work in radio. I'm Paul filling in for Carmen here on Mornings with Carmen on Faith Radio. And Billy Hollowell is uh, joining us as he does every other Tuesday as we look at some of the news headlines out there. And, okay, kind of a sad, happy but sad story in one respect. And I, I love that you cover it about a football player in uh, down in Florida. Isn't it Florida State Seminoles quarterback Jordan Travis, who is an outspoken Christian. But things haven't gone well this season. Yeah, I mean, at the end of his season, he really ended up with a very tragic leg injury. And, you know, this is something that prevented him from playing in the final games of the season. And, you know, you're all geared up. You're all excited. Here you are. You know, you're you're finishing out that season. And, yeah, this quarterback, Jordan Travis, yeah, I, I would be angry and frustrated, admittedly. And the way that he has responded to this is pretty incredible, despite that leg injury being laid up, unable to play. Um, He gave a number of interviews where he talked about his faith. And the one thing that stuck out to me, you know, he's being asked about the guys who are going to replace him, right? So that's a tough thing. Like, here I have this injury, now I can't play. And you're asking me about the guys who are going to replace me. And he responded with such grace. He said, you know, we talk about winning, being a leader, the toughness, and those guys do a great job with that. He said, I have all the faith in the world in them. A bunch of guys that have been waiting for their opportunity, 
I've been waiting to watch them succeed. So that was the first thing he said where I, an eyebrow sort of raised. And I thought, wow, I mean, this is a guy who really cares about other people, um, even those who are going to be replacing him after his injury. But then he talked about his faith. He said, at the end of the day, I wish I could be out there with the guys, but God has a different plan for me. I'm ready to see whoever goes out there today. Just go out there and ball because I know who they are. Um, And it just goes on and on. I mean, even a day after the injury, he said, the good Lord woke me up this morning. I have a smile on my face. I'm just blessed. I mean, here's a guy in a hospital bed talking about being blessed after his football career has essentially, at least for now, imploded. It's, It's pretty incredible. It is very incredible. It's interesting hearing about some of these people of faith in sports because it is such a cutthroat world. And yet, whether it be this player or some others who just, I don't know, they're going against the grain, it seems. Yeah, it does. And we're seeing more and more of it in sports. It's kind of interesting because as time goes on, you know, the culture is falling apart, it feels like. And then you've got sports teams turning to God. You've got celebrities turning to God. You've got a lot of interesting things happening even outside of athletics and Hollywood right now. And so um, but but I would say, you know, Tebow was like the anomaly back you know, in the day. And now you're hearing a player after player after player in the collegiate um, and the NFL mm-hmm. and other sports, too, who are stepping up to the plate and, and openly and boldly sharing their faith. Yeah. Another one you br- brought out in the pages of Faithwire is uh, and I talked a little bit about him yesterday here on Faith Radio. Daddy Yankee, the uh, the uh, Latin uh, urban singer uh, who has recently changed his he's changed his tune and is now living for Christ. Yeah, I mean, that story is just remarkable. He not only is he living for Christ, he retired, um, dedicated his life to to his faith. He said, I mean, he even was quoting scripture at his final show. He had drones make a cross. And I mean, all that you could say, okay, that's the that's the asterisk, right? But um, he basically said, everything that God has given me, my fame, he said, my, actually, let me read the quote. He said, all the tools that I have in my possession, such as music, social networks, platforms, a microphone, everything that Jesus gave me is now for his kingdom. Um, and then he invited everybody else to come alongside with him. And so it's going to be really interesting to track this one because this doesn't feel like, and there are country singers. We've had a number of celebrities who are actually leaving music for ministry. That is a whole different ballgame than mm. just saying, hey, I'm a Christian, you know? Who else are you thinking of? I'm, I'm, this is news to me. Oh my gosh. I'm trying to, it's funny. I said it and I'm like, who, who was that? <laughs> who, there's a country singer, um, Granger, was it Granger? I think it's Granger Smith. Yes, Granger okay. Smith. Granger Smith, a country star, has left um, country music and he is going into ministry. And we actually will have an interview with him coming up, too. So it's pretty interesting to see people, again, willing to walk away from all of that because you can make millions of dollars. But if you say, hey, you know what? I'm going to stop and do this for Jesus. That's pretty incredible. Mm. Well, Billy, as we uh, get ready now, less than two weeks away from Christmas, uh, what's happening at the Hollowell household? I can't believe I said that smoothly. Hollowell household. I know. Well, I'll tell you, it's crazy. It's there's all sorts of little traditions going on, all the things we like to do. We try to hit up as many tree lightings as we can. Um, <laughs> yeah, we just like to do that stuff. It's fun. Um, and we try to get through as many Christmas movies as we can. That's sort of one of our things that we love to do. And it gets crazy with sports and things that are going on. But, um, you know, we we watched Home Alone. So we're just kind of making our way through all of those movies, and we got a record player, and so we're kind of blasting Christmas records nonstop right now. So that's where we're at. You got the vinyls Um, going. We do, we do. But, you know, with all of that said, 
you know, all that fun, always trying to root it back to the the real meaning of, of Christmas, right? Because at the end of the day, all that stuff is fun, but why are we actually doing this? And so we find ways every day to, we have the shepherd on the search where the shepherd, you know, moves around and we have verses that we read with that every day of the, of the Christmas story. So we, we love November to January. We love, then January gets a little depressing because, you know, <laughs> you, you miss Christmas. Okay. So. Back up shepherd on the search. Yes. Yeah. You should have the shepherd on the search people on the show. It is. So we all know the elf on the shelf. Yeah. The shepherd yeah. on the search. The shepherd on the search is a shepherd that moves around the house and you put a, you could do different things that we put a verse with it every day. And then at the end, the shepherd is at the nativity scene, you know, on Christmas Eve, um, Christmas morning, he makes his way there. And, you know, it's not a magical thing, you know, it's just a thing the kids like to find every day. And, you know, we have a good time with it. They've got little props. It's very, very similar to the Elf on the Shelf, but very Jesus focused. I like that. <laughs> yeah, sure. Being yeah, Elf on the Shelf or finding the pickle ornaments in the tree. I'll, I'll take. The, I, okay, I, we got to find out these uh, the Shepherd on the Search folks. That is a brilliant, brilliant idea. So, hey, Billy, thank you so much for joining us again here on Mornings with Carmen. Hope you have a great Christmas. We look forward to talking to you in the new year. Thanks so much. Well, again, this is Mornings with Carmen. Just without Carmen, I'm Paul, but we're still here to help you apply the mind of Christ to the matters of the day. And when we read of you applying the mind of Christ into your situation, it's like we're, we're rejoicing. I, I had to send this, uh, you know, Carmen's on vacation, but I texted this information to, uh, to Carmen overnight about almost three hours ago. We got a text from Sarah, and I think she's from Eastern Iowa. And she said, hi, I have a prayer request. Remember LifeWise Academy? Yes, we do. She said, you did a show with Joe uh, Penton, their CEO, back in the summer, and I was moved to work to get it going here locally. What that is is uh, religion release classes. By You actually have, in many states, you have the right to have your kids during public school time leave the school campus for religious instruction. And LifeWise Academy is an organization who's trying to help rebirth that um, in many communities. Well, back to what Sarah said. By God's hand, we have gained the signatures of community support we needed and are holding a community kickoff event tonight. Now she's asking for prayer. That God would lead us clearly, stir hearts, and maintain peace. She says, "Would you learn that people are threatening to picket the event. Well, she says, I'm not overly worried It is distracting to me, so please pray that God would hold my gaze and my focus on what he is doing. So, Father, that's what we pray. Thank you, Lord, that uh, Sarah and those she's working with have decided to do just that, to be a light in their community and offer students, as is their right, the time away to learn about you and your ways. And so I, I pray your blessings on the event tonight for safety and, again, God, guide them in this process as, again, they seek to share about Jesus with students who want to learn and families who support that. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, question. If you had a tumor, one that would impact your life, do you want to know, especially if there's a life-saving procedure that could be done? Of course you would, right? Well, what if there's a tumor in your heart? And I'm not talking about the heart pumping your blood, but your heart, the seat of your thoughts, your emotions, your, your spirit and soul. Would you deal with it? Well, unfortunately, we have such tumors, and more than just the general one of sin. There's one called, in particular, 
envy. And you're kind of going, what? Envy? Okay, maybe you're poo-pooing that because you're so used to being envious of somebody online, you know, sharing these really wonderful pictures and you're wishing, that was my life. Well, tell you what, there is a problem here and we need to take care of it. And so Pastor Mike Favaras, who you can hear Sunday mornings here on Faith Radio um, with Focal Point, he's going to join me to talk about a recent book he put out called Envy. This is Mornings with Carmen. I'm Paul filling in on Faith Radio. All right, I hate needles. I'm Paul filling in for Carmen here on Faith Radio. But you know how it is. You get your annual physical, and what do they do? They poke you. Sometimes multiple times. And I, seriously, I hate the feeling, but I know it's important. I bear with it because I know if something is wrong, I want to know there's th- what's wrong. I want to know the problem. That way I can turn to the doctor who can hopefully treat it or cure the problem. Well, Mike Fabares of Campus, our Compass Church, that is, in California, and speaker on Focal Point, which is heard Sundays here on Faith Radio. Mike, you were a needle to me recently. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm sorry about that, Paul, but, uh, you know, it's all to try and get to get us to be the kind of people uh, God would have us be. I, I hope it's going to provide a cure as well as a... Uh, <laughs> As a little poking here and there. I, I hope so, too. And the issue that you really poked me on was the issue of envy. It's uh, basically basically the title of your book, Envy, the big problem you didn't know you had. And, okay, I, I think I kind of knew it, but you really drilled it into me here. And I kind of go, okay, envy, is that really a big issue? I mean, you look at the lists of sins that are oftentimes given in the Bible, especially the New Testament. Paul had some pretty potent lists there. Um, and then you have the seven deadly sins that are oftentimes talked about, pride and greed and wrath and lust and gluttony and sloth. Envy is put in there as well, and it's like, really? Is it really that bad? Yeah, well, you know, it's funny you talk about those lists. I think about that list in Romans chapter 1. Uh, it starts with envy. Listen to the things in those. Envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. I mean, it, at the beginning of the list is envy. It's at the top of a lot of lists in the New Testament, and that's why it became such an important topic even in the preaching throughout church history, they talk about those capital sins or deadly sins, uh, the main vices that are root causes of all kinds of problems in our lives. And I do think it's it's telling that it used to be such an important theme to preach about, to talk about, to write about. And yet uh, today, when I thought about this topic and I really pondered the sin, it started to just kind of creep up in various areas of my life and ministry. And I thought, you know what? I, I can't find a book written here recently uh, that really tackles it very well. I I found one, maybe two, but I I thought, man, I can find books of all sorts about all sorts of sins that people recognize, but here's one we don't even talk about anymore. And yet, uh, more I look for it in scripture and the more I look for it in our world, I saw it everywhere. Mm. And it's interesting too, because, and I think you pointed out in the book how, you know, a lot of the other quote unquote deadly or or, uh, cardinal sins there, there's at least this temporary feel-good buzz about it. Envy doesn't have that. Yeah, no, that was good. When I started to really research it, I thought, you know, that is the thing about envy. 
there's no good side of it. You don't get anything out of it. It's so destructive. I call it in the book, a, a really corrosive sin. It, 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 it is bad, not only for those who are on the receiving end of it in terms of people that are uh, getting things that are happening to them because someone is envious of them. And it doesn't help us when we're envious of someone else. It's just, it's a lose-lose proposition. And I think just for that alone, it ought to be moved up a few you know ticks on, on the priority list to say, Hey, if this is in my life, I I identify it and I ought to get rid of it. Yeah. Okay. Again, we're talking with Mike Fabaras and his uh, book is called Envy, The Big Problem You Didn't Know You Had. And yes, we do have some copies we're giving away. So if you'd like to get in on the drawing, text the word uh, book. B-O-O-K. Just text those four letters to 877-933-2484. Mike, I love how you brought us or you, you start exposing the issue of envy and actually the reality is it it's there from the get-go after the fall of man, or with the fall of man, really. Um, you're looking at Adam and Eve and, and then their children, uh, Cain and Abel. Yeah. As a matter of fact, I just can't help, since you brought it up, all the times the church has thought of these sins, they not only put it in the heart of Eve and of Adam and, of course, Cain against his brother Abel, which is just explicitly spelled out, but even in Satan's heart. As a matter of fact, they used to see say this is the one of the most insidious sins of all because it was the sin that allowed this angel uh, to to envy God and become his enemy because he didn't have the glory that um that that God had. And so I mean envy they see it as the root of just all sin when you think about it. The tempter became the tempter because he was envious of God and his glory. And so you know envy is a big deal. It's there in the book of Genesis. It even precedes the book of Genesis. I would agree with that. And I think we need to say this is something so fundamental. If we haven't spent time thinking about it or if we haven't prayed that great that great prayer of Psalm 139 verses 23 and 24. God search me, try me know my heart, see if there's any grievous way in me, right? And lead me in the path everlasting. God, please show me if if there's sin in my life. But I, I think it'd be good for us just to think of a number of sins and put that into the prayer. God, see if there's any envy in me. If there is, I want to know it. And then I want to be led into the path of righteousness. I want to be able to do what is right. So this book, and I, I love that the publishers were wise enough to tell me, hey, Pastor Mike, don't, don't make this a long book, right? <laughs> Keep it to 125 pages. So I did. It was a smaller book. And you can get through it pretty quickly, uh, but it's potent and, and it may be short, but I think it will help us in the first half to really see if God can uncover this in our hearts. And I think for most people that read it, they see it in their hearts. And then in the second half of the book, okay, how do we dismantle it? How do we go about remedying the problem? Mm-hmm. And, okay, let's let's back up a little bit because we're hopefully going to get to the remedying and actually why we would want this exposed in our lives. I mean, that's another big question, but let's talk about the cost of envy, because a lot of people are saying, well, it's just something going on in my heart. I can keep a tamp down. Uh-uh. It, it has a high cost. Uh, and you you look at it in three different array, ways. You talk about the the internal cost, the relational cost, and the societal cost. I think we need to kind of go through those one by one. What, it, explain to me what the internal cost of envy is, even if you're just trying yeah. to tamp it down and keep it to yourself. Right, right. And, and here's the deal. You can't have in your life envy and then the thing that god would like us to have and here's the here's the other end of the spectrum he'd like us to be content that's just such a great christian virtue if we mm-hmm. could live contented lives paul if if you and i could just be content content with what we have content with who we are this is not trying to strip ambition out of our life of course we want to be good stewards and bear fruit 
30, 60, 100 fold. But if we could say, okay, I, I may not be as smart as that guy. I may not be as beautiful as that person. I may not be as, as strong as that person, whatever it might be. I'm going to be okay with, with where I'm at. And like Paul said, I've learned the secret of contentment. If I knew that my relationship with God, right, and my stewardship of whatever God has given me is okay for me to put my head on a pillow every night and say, I'm okay, I'm at peace, right? That is going to be stolen, like inch by inch, right, foot by foot, mile by mile by the sin and the residence of envy in our lives. So you can either have envy or you can have contentment, but you can't have both. Mm -hmm. And envy is going to steal that contentment. And God's saying, listen, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, and kindness. So we need that peace in our hearts, not just relationally with God. We might say, well, I'm good with God. I'm going to heaven when I die. Really, what we need is right now, we need to, to be at peace within our own hearts about ourselves, about our relationships, about the people around us, about what we have, about what we don't have. And that is the challenge really of sanctification, making sure envy isn't there messing all that up. Now, you brought up the fruits of the spirit and there was the fruits of the flesh that were listed before. It was envy kind of hinted at, or at least mentioned there. I'm, I'm having a mental block about that. Well, yeah. I mean, in this list, if you look at the list there in Galatians chapter five, you have in that text, all the things that really are coming out of the problem of envy. And it's right there in the middle. Actually, in verse 21, it starts with that. That verse starts with the word envy. The problem is envy, but things mm. that surround it, right? Strife, enmity, right? Uh, rivalries, dissensions, divisions. And then it gets to that word envy. It is the outworking of the flesh. If we're just left to ourselves and we don't, we don't, we don't have a renewed heart. We don't seek God. We don't renew our minds in the word. We're not praying. We're not connected. We're not abiding. Yeah. Envy is going to be there. It is a marked uh, expression of being a fallen human being. And so we're going to have to, as Colossians 3, 5 says, we're going to have to work to put to death whatever is earthly in us, whatever is fleshly in us. And the fleshly reality of our lives, as in contradistinction to the fruit of the Spirit, is going to be right in the middle of that list, envy. So yeah, it's there, it's in that passage, and it's very important that we see that all the words that surround it, rivalries, dissension, <laughs> enmity, vision. They all grow out of that root sin of envy. So you really say what you're saying there, because I said you had three different ways or the various costs, the internal, the relational, the societal. I mean, you just, you just explained it right there. That's the fruit of the flesh, because if it's, if it's in your heart, it's going to overflow eventually, and it's going to affect your relationships, the strife, the other issues, and even societal. Yeah. And one of the reasons I can say with biblical confidence that envy is at the core of it, is when that whole paragraph is over, if you remember the fruit of the spirit and then all the expressions of the flesh, he says, you know what, let us not, this is how the whole thing ends, right? Let us not become conceited, provoking one another and envying one another. It ends on that note. I mean, the whole like re resolution of this beautiful passage about putting to death the things that are, are fleshly and, and making sure we're promoting and feeding and pursuing the things that are spiritual, it ends with the last line, hey, you guys cannot be envying one another because he knows mm. that's what's going to mess the church up. He says, you can't bite and devour one another. You're going to be consumed by one another. And, and I think the problem that Paul was addressing in Galatians among all the doctrinal issues was that you cannot be people that envy each other. It's going to ruin your church. It's going to ruin your small group, can ruin your, your family and your extended family. We cannot be envying one another. It is the core problem in many ways in the scripture, and I think we need to attack it. Okay, we're talking again with uh, Pastor Mike Favares. He's the author of the new book, Envy, 
a big problem you didn't know you had. And if you're feeling, uh uh-oh, I need my heart check. Uh, We do have a few copies of this book we're giving away. So to get in on the drawing, text the word book to 877-933-2484. As we continue, let's talk about exposing, let's talk about rooting it out and we're going to need some help to do that, uh, not just from, past, from Pastor Mike, but from God. But we're going to look at that in just a few moments here on Faith Radio. Listen to Faith Radio live or on demand no matter where you go. Download the free Faith Radio app at your app store today. Again, we can try to hide our sins. We can try and downplay them. But do you have the desire to have them uprooted and removed Hey, I'm Paul, again, filling in for Carmen here on Faith Radio. Obviously, because we're fallen beings, it's not something we can do alone. But that's the thing. We're not alone. Uh, Pastor Mike Fabar is here, and we're dealing with the issue of envy uh, on this segment of uh, of the show. And, okay, how do we start counterattacking, Mike, against envy in our lives? Because it's not something we can fight alone. Yeah, you're not going to be able to fight this by yourself. Non-Christians really are not going to be able to utilize this book, right? It's not about just techniques and kind of redirecting your thoughts. This is really about the fact that God is going to have to give you this new capacity to do some things that you weren't formally able to do as a non-Christian. And that is, number one, understand that God is a God who is sovereign and he dispenses beauty and brains and brawn and and all kinds of opportunities to people in varying ways, right? He doesn't uniformly just lay out opportunities for everyone nor resources for everyone, right? Everyone's born into a situation that's unique to themselves. And we have to be we have to begin to understand God's sovereign plan. Yeah. Think about the apostle Paul. He gets this thorn in the flesh, right? And and Mm -hmm. you're thinking, okay, this is a messenger of Satan. He may be looking at Titus or Timothy or Barnabas thing. Those guys are so healthy. They they don't have the problems I have. And he could become envious of their good health. He doesn't have good health. He wants good health. He prays for his health to be restored. And God says, no, 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 I'm not going to do that. And instead of being someone who gets bitter and frustrated at his, you know, his traveling companions, his fellow missionaries, right? He starts to recognize the sovereign work of God, even in allowing this thorn and emissary of Satan to mess his body up and cause him pain. And he says, I will accept this. I will accept this as something God has chosen for me. And I will even see how it can be parlayed into something as a, as a virtue, as a, an asset. And in his case, he said, I can see where this is keeping me humble. I've got a lot of responsibilities, a lot of privileges here as an apostle in the New Testament. And I can be someone who can see how this can keep me humble. It can keep me dependent on God. And therefore, I'm going to accept the lot that God has given me. It sounds a lot like Ecclesiastes, right? We need to learn to enjoy the things we have, right? And be able to Mm -hmm. accept the lot that God has given us and to realize we have a relationship with a God who's real, who's in charge, who gives us circumstances. And and non-Christians are never going to think that way. So it starts with this relationship with God, knowing God is good, even when the things in my life may feel like I'm deprived and other people have the things I would like. So it starts with that. I got to ask you this, Mike. Again, we're talking with uh, Pastor Mike Favares of uh, Compass Church in California, and he's got the book here, Envy, A Big Problem You Didn't Know You Had. And yes, we do have a few copies we're giving away. So text the word book to 877-933-2484. As you were leading your congregation through looking at Envy some time ago, which is where this book came from, from your sermon notes, how did that impact your church? I mean, were there some people that how did it affect them? I guess is what I'm asking. Yeah. Hopefully well, it was it was refining. 
Well, it was it was refining. It started with surprise because people said what I knew they would say, and that is, I've really never heard a sermon on this. And I knew that because I'd been preaching for decades, thousands of sermons in my sermon database, and I couldn't find a single sermon that was just focused on this one sin. And yet the sin is so pervasive in scripture. I see it everywhere in, in life once I put the glasses on to look at it biblically. And I realized, wow, no one's ever preached on this, in my pulpit at least. I'm going to preach on this topic. And people said, wow, I never even thought of it. And people that I thought, right, have their lives so together, they look so content, they look so peaceful, were writing me letters or coming up to me on the patio after church and saying, you know what, this just wrecked me. I realized this Mm. is a problem for me. This is the reason I'm gossiping about this person. This is the reason I'm bitter toward this, you know, this sister of mine or my brother, or they they just had all of these confessions to start to make. And, And I can tell you, I've had years in ministry, never had anyone before that series come up to me and say, hey, pastor, I got a sin problem. I want to confess to you. I'm, I'm, I'm an envious person. I mean, I just had never happened. Yeah. But you know what? It started to happen when people started to look at the problem in scripture. So I'm so thankful that the church, even people that seem to have their lives together on the outside, were fighting a battle on the inside that they didn't even know was a problem until they had the word of God shed some light on the topic. You know, sometimes we're so used to having our, you know, the Christmas card family photo. Everything looks perfect. They don't see all the other photos that were taken with the kids screaming or all that. And you're helping expose that and help people be, feel comfortable with that. And actually, hopefully, that's what you're doing because we need our sin exposed in a good way. Talk yeah. about that. Yeah, well, we do. And, and we need to be honest with ourselves. And then also, we need to start to, to understand we have to be honest that everyone else around us with their filtered pictures you know, on, on the internet – the social media string where everyone's giving their best, you know, night of the week and their best vacation photos, right? You know, their lives, the grass is not greener over there, right? In some cases it might be, you might be pining away for a child and you and your spouse are are dealing with infertility. And I mean, there's no denying the fact that we go without things other people have, but we often project this kind of idealism that everyone else has got such a better life because they drive a better car or they make more money or they've got, you know, their kids are accepted into better schools. That's just not the case, right? The world is messed up. And as James said in James chapter three, verse two, we all stumble in many ways. And that's everyone from the pastor on down to the person who's unemployed and feels like they're in bad health. We all have our sin problems and no one should be thinking that somehow if I just had this next thing, if I had the thing that they have that I really begrudge them for having, then I would be happy. You wouldn't really at the end of the day, it's not things that make us happy. It's not more opportunities that make us content. It's us knowing that we are God's children that God has given us a stewardship, that we're being faithful, whether it's with a little or a lot, whatever God has given to us. And at the end of the day, we want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant, which is not based on some you know, uh, external kind of standard of humanity. It's based on what God entrusts to us. So we can live that quiet life and say, I'm okay, right? That I didn't achieve all the things that some of the people around me did. And I'm okay that I'm not as beautiful or as smart or as strong or as healthy as other people. Now you're getting personal there, Mike. Mike, <laughs> <laughs> did you not get to the gym this morning, Paul? No, no, I didn't. Hey, Mike, thanks again for joining us. If people want to get a hold of you, what's the uh, best uh, place online they can find you? Just go to pastormike.com. You go to that website. It's a platform for all sorts of things, including all the sermons on Envy I preached and thousands of other things. Pastormike.com. It's an easy way to find me, and uh, it's a launching pad to all sorts of things, including our, ter- our church, our radio ministry, and all the rest. All right. Hey, Mike, thanks again for joining us here on Faith Radio. Of course, Paul. Thanks for having me.
Well, again, this is uh, Faith Radio and Mornings with Carmen. I'm Paul filling in this week, and you still have time to go to MyFaithRadio.com. If there's somebody you know who this Christmas just is going to be hard, you have a way of offering them a little encouragement and giving them hope for Christmas by nominating them for a $200 Visa gift card. We have several of these we're giving away. Some of the people who've already nominated. Ah, Alita, thank you for nominating your two grandkids, Erica and Lamont. Uh, Alita says that their their dad's incarcerated right now, and currently Alita doesn't have much contact with her grandkids or their mom, and they won't have time together this Christmas. She wants to somehow offer them hope and connection during this Christmas season, so glad to do our part. So again, Alita, thank you for nominating your grandkids as uh, possible recipients to one of those $200 Visa gift cards. You can do something similar again. Nominate that person you know at MyFaithRadio.com and give hope for Christmas. A second hour with Mornings with Carmen coming your way shortly. Again, if you miss any part of the show and you want to listen again or share it, podcasts will be available at MyFaithRadio.com. Thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen LeBurge. Podcasts like this are available because of your support. If it's important to you to hear things that encourage your faith, Click the link in the show notes to give now. And thanks.